A reading from Isaiah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey. By the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll read responsibly parts of Psalm 80. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock, shine forth that you are enthroned upon the cherubim. In the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come to help us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. You have made us the derision of our neighbors, and our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one you have made so strong. And so we will never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. A reading from Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Holy Gospel this Lord's Day is the Gospel according to Matthew. We are in chapter 1. <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, it took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no relations with her until she had born a son. And he named the boy Jesus, the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied among you all in the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs> Christmas Eve is now just a couple days away. And looking ahead to worship that night, well, I'll give you a hint. The sermon that evening is probably going to be about baby Jesus. <laughs> Surprise! I mean, I don't want to give it all away now, but come this Tuesday night, I'm likely to say a few words about the Christ child. And if I say a few words about the Christ child, then I'll probably sneak something in about his mother Mary as well. And my hunch is that this is really not too surprising to anybody. I mean, after all, we do expect something like that in a sermon on Christmas Eve night, and that's fine. It is. But if Jesus and his mother are going to be the focus then, what that means is that I have a chance today to say something about Joseph. Joseph, the husband of Mary, the stepfather, we might say, of the Christ child. The Bible, frankly, tells us next to nothing about this man. We know he was a descendant of the famous King David. We know that he was engaged to Mary, and given the custom of that place and time, we suspect that it might have been an arranged marriage, and we suspect as well that he might have been older than she, perhaps as much as 15 to 20 years older than Mary. But we don't know. 
Later in the gospel, Jesus is referred to once as the carpenter. And on another occasion, he is referred to as the carpenter's son. And both of these references were meant to be derogatory, by the way. But both have led us over the years to conclude that Joseph must, in fact, have been a carpenter, quietly at work in his wood shop, which may be true. Or not. I mean, there's not much to go on here. And anyway, some scholars choose to translate the word not as carpenter, but as stonemason. Personally, I've seen way too many Christmas pageants over the years for that one. I'm going to stick with Carpenter. But whatever his job, whatever Joseph did for a living, he was very clearly a faithful man, open to the word of God, obedient to the word of God. You'll notice the text today in verse 19. Verse 19 calls him a righteous man. And we see throughout the Christmas story just exactly what this means. We see how Joseph cared for Mary and how he protected her son and how he put the well-being of his family ahead of his own. And this is all good, it's important, it's righteous, and it speaks well of this man. But I would like to suggest that what Joseph did in the rest of the gospel was harder and certainly no less important. What Joseph did in the rest of the gospel, of course, was disappear. After the Christmas story, Joseph is not mentioned again, ever. Hard for us as parents, but kind of important. As the story goes on, Joseph simply fades from view. Now there's a way of saying this that can sound an awful lot like self-pity and that is not at all what I have in mind this morning. But let me speak from the heart and tell you what I do mean. As a parent, my goal all along has been to get to a place in my boy's life where I can be like Joseph and just, you know, start to disappear. I've always aimed for that point where I can safely begin to fade from view. You see, as parents, we are everything to our children when they are toddlers or infants. I think you know that. As parents, we plainly have a huge formative role to play when the kids are moving through grade school and junior high. In fact, parents, we are the formative influence in their lives in those early years, and I trust you take that seriously. And even when they're in high school, even on into early adulthood, even though they act like they're not listening, and even though they want you to believe they're not paying any attention at all to anything you say or do, they probably are. And so, as parents, we have to continue setting the example, making sure that our deeds match our words and we follow through on our own faith. And by the way, can you do that pretty please even after they've been confirmed? 
Can you do that pretty please even after they've graduated high school? But then by the grace of God, harder for sure, but every bit as important, we do reach a point where they're adult and grown. And although we're still a family and will continue to do family things, we simply have to trust that God is in charge, that God will lead them on the way, and that God will write the story for them. Even though it's not exactly the story the way I would have written it, God is God, and God will help them write their story. And God will also help me step back without being too very unhappy about it. Hey, I promise not to parachute into your life if you promise not to drag me onto the Dr. Phil show. Do we got a deal here? <laughs> it's okay for you to go live your life, and it's okay for me to kind of back away, disappear, if you will. And again, there's a way of saying this that sounds kind of like self-pity. Like, oh, I guess I don't think my boys call me often enough or whatever. But I don't mean to come across like that. Rather, I mean that for me as a parent, this honestly has been the goal since the day my boys were born. To get them to a place in life where they're out there on their own. And Mary and I can slide into the background and trust that God really does have control of the story of their lives. And it seems to me that Joseph is a really good example of this. As a husband and a dad, he was not afraid to find a place for his family to stay in Bethlehem. He was not hesitant later on to move them to Nazareth for a better opportunity in life. He was not afraid to work for his family and pray for his family and share his faith with his family. He was not afraid to invite them to worship now and then, which is okay for parents to do. But he was also not afraid to take a deep breath and just let God be God. Because this little boy in my arms, this little fella, his story really does have to be guided by his father not by his dad. The story has to be about Jesus, not Joseph. And Joseph knew that. He knew that from the beginning. And that might be Joseph's lesson for us as parents. Our goal is to get to a point where it's okay to begin to disappear. That's our goal as parents. And I believe we learn from Joseph this is also our goal as Christians. Repeat, this is also our goal as Christians. To begin to disappear. To start fading from view. Because after all, this story is about Jesus. It's really not about me. Jesus Christ was the stepson of Joseph, all right. But he is and remains the one and only son of the one and only God. Who for us and our salvation came into this world of time to teach and to preach. To heal the sick and feed the hungry. To love one and all and set the example for us to follow. And then to die. Jesus came into this world to die on a cross to forgive us and on the third day to rise again to save us. 
And his plan for us right now is to shape us and mold us and make us more like him. Jesus' goal, his plan, is to forgive our past and remake our future. His goal, his plan, is to soften our hearts and open our hands, to change our priorities and refocus our desires. Again, very simply, his goal and his plan is to make us more like him each and every day. And our goal, our plan, is to let him. My goal, my plan is to let him. My goal is to begin to disappear so that the world sees less of Steve and more of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? That's the goal. That's the Christian calling in this world. Less of me, more of him. Fading from view personally, disappearing in little ways every single day, the better to let you see Jesus Christ instead. The story is about Jesus, okay? It's about him. And Joseph, for one, knew that from the beginning. And Joseph, for one, wasn't afraid of what it meant. Joseph wasn't afraid of letting the story be about Jesus. Joseph was not afraid to start disappearing. Us too. Your story, my story, it's got to be his story. The Lord Jesus is his name. The one come to save us and the entire world. And if we know that and if we believe it, we can't be afraid of what it means. It means that starting today, I am not afraid to start fading from view. I am not afraid of disappearing. The better to let you see Jesus Christ instead. In whose name we pray. Amen. And we turn to the hymn.